Hello and welcome to another episode of The Safety Brief. Today we have a fun discussion on the importance of year-round security and cyber training awareness. Today we'll explore how we can leverage the awareness generated in October to fortify your security postures throughout the year. Uh, today we have Emily and Matt joining us on the discussion today, so thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Yes, yes, thank you very much. Of course. So let's kick things off by emphasizing why cybersecurity awareness should be a constant um, thought. Could you please uh, share some insights on your thoughts on why maintaining a year round focus on security is crucial? Absolutely. So to set the stage here, for those that don't know, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Um, which is absolutely a great starting point for cybersecurity awareness. The problem is putting all of your focus in one month means that for the rest of the year, people tend to get a little bit lackadaisical about the whole idea. Um, and cybersecurity does not go away for the rest of the year. So you have to maintain a steady focus or at least a steady diet of knowledge, education, understanding rather than just a sole focus in October, because threats are ever-changing, uh, issues are always happening, um, marketing is always different, right? So you need to make sure that you're maintaining that year-round focus because attacks happen a lot more often outside of October. I don't know this to be an absolute fact, but I'd be willing to bet that based on the fact that threat actors know that it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month, they're probably not pushing their biggest and best at this point because they think people are much more aware and much more, um, they're paying attention to it a lot more than they usually would. Whereas when they've lost interest around July or so, when everybody's out of the office anyway for vacation, that's going to be the easier time to attack, right? So if we so broadcast that we are focused on cyber in October as opposed to the rest of year round, we're really kind of setting ourselves up for failure unless we maintain that focus. Common attack times are going to be the weekend before a holiday or any time leading up to a major holiday where people are going to take mass amounts of vacation. This starts around the end of October, around Halloween, and ends about mid-January. Um, most people will, I mean, let's be honest, quarter four is usually a dead time for most companies. I don't know what companies those are and why they have a dead time, and I'm sorry, but some of us are working all year long, so, uh, you know, we're going to be there to make sure you're safe, even if you're not there to enjoy the fact that you're safe. Um, but that's one of the, the main things that, that you'll notice is it's not particularly that they're going to try and attack during Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Now, the other thing about that is Cybersecurity Awareness Month is fantastic if you're actually leveraging technology that does something. Um, I've had conversations, and I, I, I made a lovely post about this. I was you know talking with some people that have C's in their name as part of their role. Their stance was you can do nothing wrong by having Microsoft as your prevention or as your, uh, your endpoint solution along with an EDR. Okay. Um, I've bypassed Microsoft on countless times. I did it live. Microsoft is not a security solution. They're not a prevention solution. 
Microsoft can't get out of their own way. They dumped 38 terabytes of internal stuff for the public. Yes, that could be as simple as doing, you know, an invalid commit to a Git repository. But still, for somebody that claims that they are an endpoint prevention or endpoint security solution, you don't make those kinds of mistakes. Also, all we have to look at in order to say that Microsoft is not a security solution is how many vulnerabilities still exist from Internet Explorer back on Windows 3.1 or 95 or 98. Yeah, there's still stuff that's wide open from way back then. There's still stuff wide open now. I mean, it's it's terrible. So the bad actors, like you were saying, that they're not trying to push in October, they don't have to try. I mean, they're really not having to try at all. There's uh, what was it the other the other day we were talking about a new one that we were looking at, Iced ID. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's been around for years. That's been prevented by us for years all new versions all new variants we don't have to put a a hash in there we don't have to update content files it just inherently is shut down now our scripting engine is shutting down the other parts of their attacks with the active javascript that they're trying to run no other vendors even detect it no other vendors can prevent it so october maybe cybersecurity awareness month We need people to emphasize on that second word, awareness. That's the big thing. You can be unaware and still say that you're practicing cybersecurity awareness, or you can be aware and actively engaged in trying to better your stance. That's a really key point that Matt makes. We have companies that work with us are in a varied state of their adoption of human firewall versus technology, right? And in our mindset, they are one in the same. One of our um, one of our friends in the industry uses the term human firewall based around training all the people to do the right stuff. And that's absolutely a great place to start, right? We absolutely believe in cybersecurity awareness for those people because at the end of the day, they're the one clicking the links. But where Matt's talking about is you can merge this in with technology that is going to make you safer, better, and overall is going to be the best stance for you to have. We don't prefer to rely purely on the human firewall, and we don't prefer, prefer to rely purely on an actual firewall or an actual endpoint protection. So it's this combined stance that's actually going to build a strong enough wall that can prevent these things. I completely agree. And when I think of an awareness month, I also think of like our health. Um, you don't only think of your health during that awareness month and not to bring up doom and gloom, but it is also breast cancer awareness month. And that is when, you know, there's cheaper scans and there's cheaper, you know, options for people to go in and get those checked up. So you obviously don't want to go all year round or years without having that awareness or going and getting checked up and, you know, keeping on top of things. Um, But this highlights almost like a reminder, like, Hey, how are you doing on this? Like, if you're not super huge in your cybersecurity stack right now, what um, are you doing to help spread that awareness for your employees? What are you doing to ensure that you do have the good security put in place? Um, it's definitely clear that complacency can lead to vulnerabilities. It's not just about specific training sessions, but also about creating a vigilant culture. 
so with that being said, how can organizations instill a sense of personal responsibility for cybersecurity and their employees year round? So I think this harkens back to what we talked about on our last safety brief of culture being the cornerstone and having that culture um, instilled and really getting people to buy in to the organization. Now, I'm not going to be so pie in the sky as to say that everybody is going to just absolutely adore the company that they work for to the point where they feel personal responsibility for protection. Some people want to go get their paycheck, do their job and leave. But at the same time, even they need to have that personal sense of responsibility for how can I make this my best workplace for today? And I think that starts with the culture. Um, and it starts with, like we talked about last week, not hammering people over the head with it or browbeating them into saying, you must be part of our culture. But it starts in the standards of hiring first, that you're only going to hire for culture. That's one starting point. The second is to subtly work it into absolutely everything that you do. And this should work in to one of your core values in, one, in some way, shape, or form, right? For us, hold the long view. You can't be complacent with your cybersecurity while also holding the long view, right? Like these, these two things are not compatible. So it's not like even as a cybersecurity company, we're beating people over the head with, where's your two factor? Are you logged into the VPN? Like all of this stuff is what we should be doing and what we are doing, but it holds even more weight for us because it's one of our cultural values to hold the long view. So if you can tie it to one of your cultural values overall, and use this as practical application, I think it's going to be more successful. I completely agree with that. And I even believe during my interview, um, one of the questions was, what do you feel holding the long view means to you? And for me, I brought up the um, idea of not putting a Band-Aid on things. When something goes wrong, finding the actual full solution and taking responsibility. So before I even came into working with BlockWorks, I already had that sense of like, obviously I wanna be trained, I wanna be doing the right thing, but having the culture and absolutely loving where you work definitely makes it more important. It, it builds you know, the want to do the right thing for sure. You have to tap into the desire for people to learn and grow. That's the main thing. You can have a company that is focused on security, but if they're so beaten down, if they're just so overworked and worn out, they're not going to care about giving it their all all year long. So if you can make an environment where people are learning, people are growing, people have that healthy balance between things, that's going to foster a better environment where everybody is focused and paying attention also helps to not tell people that you're doing a phishing test. Please don't tell your people you're doing a phishing test. Just do the test. It doesn't help if you tell them, I'm going to drop a hook with a worm on it in here for you. Please don't bite it. No. Like, if you're going to do testing, do the testing. That's It goes back to, to what uh, Cyber Paul Bunyan was saying the other the other time on our stream about it doesn't help if you're going to put all of these pre preventions in place, but in order for a program to accurately gauge your environment, 
you basically open all the windows and unlock the back door and say, okay, here you go. You can't do that. You just can't do that. Just... For anyone questioning, Paul Bunyan is Mike Hornsby, and we unfortunately are missing him today. But no, that that definitely brings up a very important uh, topic, with which is insider threats, one of our previous discussions here on the safety brief. Um, and I think utilizing this month of October to educate your employees is a huge opportunity. Um, and I think that it's really important to go in and do that training and that extra education or motivations during this month, uh, just to have that heightened security and less chance of insider threats throughout the year. So what strategies and initiatives can organi organizations implement in October to strengthen their security and awareness? Employee appreciation. Mind you, this should be all year long, okay? If you appreciate your team and you're working with your team and they know how much that you actually appreciate and care, they're going to work harder. Example, everybody wanted Tesla's technology, right? Tesla's revolutionizing electronic vehicle industry. They already have. Do you know how many times they have been targeted with insider threats? Or attempted insider threats? What happened when they actually tried they gave people usb keys um you know that had malicious content on them to users and told them if you will put this on machines we'll pay you and it was an exorbitant amount of money they were willing to pay them their response was to take it and provide it to those that needed to have it at tesla and told them We've been approached to try and breach the network, to try and infect us, to, you know, extract information. Why were they willing to do that? Most people would have taken the money and run. It's because they cared. It's because they knew that they were appreciated and they knew that the work that they were doing meant something. If people have buy-in, if people feel as though what they are working on matters, they're not going to betray that. They're going to fight harder to, to protect that than anything else. Becomes extremely good. All right, Emily, I'll use the example. Thank you. I'll use the and example. on the other hand, because the a really good hand, example Matt gave the other day. On the other, I'm currently enjoying playing Dodge the Random Laser. Yeah, you got the cat laser going over there. That's, that's good I, stuff. This is, it is so perfectly placed right between two boxes up here that it's just like, I'm going to get you. So if I start smoking and my head randomly gets a burn <laughs> spot, don't worry. I'll be fine. Um, if I spontaneously ignite, call 911. Well, but dude. so another thing is, and, and we've heard this, we've heard through quarter four into quarter one, people will, you know, they'll be quiet. And then they'll all of a sudden in quarter one, they'll come back and they'll say, well, why did this happen? Or why haven't we done this? This was critical. Oh, well, we didn't want to bring that up because we had other critical things that we were working on and we didn't want to bring up more critical things. Really? Okay. So critical things are being put to the side for other critical things, which means we now have critical things not getting accomplished because of other critical things. That's terrible. There needs to be a lot more in the form of agility. At that point, 
I don't know whether you need to have something like Jira in place where you're able to go through and say, this is the issue. This is the issue. This is the issue. This is how much lift it's going to take. We used something before it was t-shirt size, small, medium, large, extra large. It was a way of classifying the lift that was needed in order to get the job done. But if you have something outlined like that, A, you don't have surprises. Your management isn't going to come back and looking at you going, what the hell? Why, why is this happening? Oh, we didn't want to let you know because you had other things that you were, you were focused on. Great. Wonderful. So now something slipped. It all goes back to one of our other values. Candor. Mm-hmm. Being transparent, knowing where things are at all times. If you're going to own something, you can't half own it. Half owning it means that it's going to be half successful. Even if it's even if it is a full-on success, I guarantee you, without the level of ownership, there were still failures that could have been avoided. On that same line, I think people have developed such a fear of admitting when something has gone wrong either due to past experience or past trauma from it or fear for their jobs over something that may or may not be their fault, that they've found the path of hiding it is an easier approach, right? So they'll find any other critical issue to solve just to prove they're solving something as opposed to bring something to the surface. Whereas I learned from a very young age, you are much better off laying it out there in the open than someone finding it later, right? But it's a completely Mm -hmm. different mentality to have that candor and then to be supported in that candor because there's few people that will say, you know what, I'm gonna lay it all out there, whatever happens, happens. But it's a lot easier to do when you have the whole team saying, okay, that issue popped up, how are we gonna solve it? Being that solution oriented as opposed to, well, who screwed the pooch on that one? You know, it's a completely different mentality that I don't think a lot of organizations have. And I think specifically in cybersecurity, it is so misunderstood that they feel like they have a target. That if something goes wrong or something happens, that of course, they're the issue, they're the culprit, they're the challenge, they're whatever that is, because they're the expert, right? They should know better. Um, Whereas it really becomes, it needs to become a cross-cultural, a cross-company, a cross-industry quest for better prevention, better protection. Successful leaders build successful teams. We've covered this. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. You can have a successful leader on a successful team. It'll be fantastic. You can take that successful leader, put it on a mediocre team. You're going to see an improvement in that mediocre team because they're going to have that strong leadership that they need. The other already successful team is going to still be successful, but they're going to be trying to throw that person overboard. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. Now, that brings brings to mind another thing. What do you need during the entire year from your organization? Leaders. You don't need a manager. You need leaders. Okay? I'm going to slow that down and Crayola the hell out of it for you guys. Leaders. A manager is somebody who, when something happens, is going to find somebody to blame. They are not going to focus on the big picture. They're going to focus on covering themselves because more than likely it was their fault in the first place, but they don't want to accept it. 
So here's the thing. It doesn't matter who's at fault. It happened. Move on. Focus on getting it fixed. If your team sees that you are willing to get in there with them, you are willing to accept responsibility, and you're willing to focus on the important part of getting things resolved, they're going to respond a lot better. If your team is too busy covering themselves because they're afraid that if a mistake is made, that the poop pile is going to roll downhill and they're going to be the ones that end up in it, you're not going to have a successful team. You're going to have a team that's halfway in and halfway trying to cover themselves because they don't want to feel the wrath of you know, somebody being blamed for an issue that may not have even been theirs. They just unfortunately were the scapegoat that was around at the time. So you need leaders. You need people that are willing to fight. You need people that are willing to better your team, develop them, support them. If they make a mistake, who cares? It's a mistake. We are humans. We're built to be fallible. Okay? That, that is us. None of us are perfect. I promise you that. I made a lot of mistakes. I ain't going to lie. Trust me. <laughs> ask, my, ask my wife. I make lots of mistakes. So that's, that's what you need. You, just, you need to have leaders that are willing to fight and build and support. No, everyone definitely makes mistakes. And I think, you know, a lot of our conversations really go back um, to the road of culture and who you have on your team and what is their culture? What are their core values? And, are, and if they're bringing good core values to your company. So I think it just goes back to our previous discussions on hiring people with the right culture rather than the right experience. And then you can take that time to, you know, teach and, you know, if they have that want and they have that culture, they will learn and develop the skills that's needed. And having the culture um, at BlockWorks to be able to say, hey, you know, I did this on board, I messed this up or this happened and I think I did this wrong. Do you mind looking at this? And I had no problem doing that when I first started because obviously I was always told crawl, walk, run, crawl, walk, run. We want to give this to you, but we want to make sure you're ready for it. So it was really nice to have that like hands-on training but also have the comfortability to say, hey, Mike, or hey, you know, Josh, you've been here a lot longer than me. You have, you know, the skills necessary. I just did this. Do you mind checking over it with me? And at a lot of other places that I've worked at previously, it was like, oh, it's your second week here. Like it was very, it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't acceptable in a sense. So having um, people come to you and ask you those questions really gives you an idea, I mean, like not an idea, but the time and the opportunity to teach. Uh, and I think we should all be teaching and all learn. Um, you know, there's, you never stop learning in cybersecurity. So I think that's a really important thing. Um, and you speak on these, you know, phishing segments and how, you know, it needs to be live fire training without forewarning employees. And I completely agree on that. And that's something that we spoke about in our um, insider threat stream. So my question is, another thing that came up in that is that there was no repercussion. Yes, it's it's good to have the culture of no repercussion and it's okay, accidents happen. But what are you going to do for your employees if they have that lack of training, if they have that lack 
of knowledge and don't know how to spot those phishing emails or those malicious links, what are the steps that you can take in the month of cybersecurity awareness or all year long to ensure that they have that inadequate training? Continued education. Yeah. That's, and, that's what it really boils down to. And on that note, I would say pick the education program wisely. Mm-hmm. Pick the program that there's tons and tons and tons of research that says positive implementation and positive improvement work significantly better than remedial or consequence-based training. And there are a lot of different platforms for cybersecurity training out there. Some are based on the gotchas and how can I make you fail? And some are really based on the positive reinforcement of doing the right thing and continuing to advance and grow in that. So I would give the same advice in terms of picking that education program that I give in parenting, that you are going to be so much more successful with positive reinforcement than you're going to be successful with the, ha ha, we tricked you, you get to wear the dunce cap, you know, kind of trainings because people will get beaten down by that and they'll just choose not, not to participate which means they're not growing, which means they're not moving forward, which means you're not educating your full company. It means that you have this this person out here that is very liable to be an issue because they've been beaten down about it before. So it's one of those things that I wouldn't make it an HR issue unless it is something egregious that keeps happening, right? I would make it a positive reinforcement and education-based discussion so that you can keep moving it forward. It's exactly what Matt said. You just have to keep educating. You have to keep winning and learning. You have to keep moving that forward. Um, And I would say focus on the positive as much as humanly possible. Yours is a lot better than mine. I usually just tell people, life hurts, wear a helmet. Well, that, there's there's Maybe. some places for that. We call that self-inflicted on, on this side where, you know, you can still consequences happen whether you do something good or bad. Like it just is what it is. But if you can be positive in the moving forward from that and how we're going to do this differently and what are we going to change and what is, you know, what are we going to improve? they can actually make incremental improvement and not feel like they're a moron sitting in the back that just clicked on this link for the 47th time. And I think the best example of this <laughs> is how our elderly population. I had the worst mental image pop up when you said a moron sitting in the back. It happens. I mean, the biggest issue, you can see it daily. What population gets impacted by scams most often Old people. it's our elderly population right people it's in our florida. elders <laughs> people in florida, sure all these people in these elderly communities that don't know what really to do and unfortunately when something goes wrong and they do get scammed the younger person that has to follow up and try to fix that for them inadvertently shames them yeah. so then they're sitting uh, that, there that feeling like that is true it, it happens. It's terrible. So I've seen that happen and it makes it it drives me insane all the time. And it's hard not to, right? Where you're sitting there like, Mom, really? Really? Did you and it's not really my mom, it's my grandmother. Really? Really? Did you click on that? Really? But then you're sitting there thinking, you're like, you know what? When this woman was born in nineteen thirty-five, they had no concept of what technology today was going to look like and be. Exactly. And the world has changed so much that 
we have no right to shame the people that taught us how to use a spoon because they clicked the wrong link, right? We just need to reteach. I have I have both sides of that. So my mom, it, you know, she she was never very or she okay, I can't really say she wasn't technical. She did mainframe programming. So, you know, in modern technical terms. Okay. She did punch okay. cards and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, she had an understanding of tech. But as things advanced, it went well beyond what her capabilities were very quickly. Yep. Now, mind you, she had me to try and, or to basically keep her safe while I was at home. Once I moved out and I wasn't there all the time, there wasn't anybody to keep her from herself. So the first couple of times she'd click something and, you know, I'm like, no, mom, the Nigerian prince is not waiting for you to reach out to him because he's going to give you money. That's not going to happen. So we would have those conversations. Now, because I've spent the time, I've explained things in a positive way, she'll she'll actually come over and say, look at this idiot that, that tried to tried to message me. I'm like, what'd you do? Well, I went to the website and validated that the phone number is not actually on their website as a contact number. I'm like, oh, okay. What happened then? Well, I called them and played along until I annoyed them to the point that they gave up. I'm like, I'm both terrified and impressed. I've I've turned you into me. That's there you scary. Go. And then on the opposite hold. end of the spectrum, you have my dad where phones started getting too smart. He looked at it and even took his flip phone and threw it across the room and, the room and said, you know what? It's too smart. I don't want it. I'm like, dude, it's a flip phone. It, it's, it's about as smart as an easy bake oven. And he's just like, nope, I'm done. It's like, all right, I'm good with that. And We're that's fine. one method, right? The, the safest place you can be on technology is not on technology, right? Yeah. Like that is there is there is legitimacy in that. But what's also interesting, you taught your mom when it was the Nigerian prince reaching out. Now it's fake USPS and fake oh, yeah. Amazon. And you know, people that they do interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. And you and the I are bank. sitting there thinking, of course, yeah, the banks. Of the, course the, the Nigerian bank is prince is not gonna reach out to us, too. but the bank will, right? The and bank USPS tried. will and Yep. It's... They tried with me. So my daughter was with me and I laughed so hard when they did this because I put it on speakerphone and they said, we're calling because uh, we need to, we need to make sure that you're making this, this, you know, payment or this, uh, this transaction. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, sure. Uh, what's, what's the card number that you're saying the transaction's going through on? Oh, well, we need you to give us that information. Dude, you're the bank. You should, you should have that information. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it's on this card. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, great. Um, yeah, that card was canceled five years ago. Uh, well, that's why we're calling you because it's, it's suspicious that a transaction is going through on that card. I'm like it was canceled five years ago. There cannot be a transaction. It will automatically decline. And the guy basically comes back and was like, dude, you're trying to scam me. It's pathetic. Just cut it. And he goes, I think you're the scammer. I'm like, well, that's officially a, a new method. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, dude, come on, just admit it. He goes, yes, I'm the scammer. Now give me the card number. I'm like. Does that work for you? <laughs> I, 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 usually attacked it, but... <laughs> I officially tweaked you to the point that you've just given up the entire facade. That has never <laughs> happened before. But okay. My daughter, mind you, is sitting there laughing the whole time. She's like, do you do this to them all the time? I'm like, oh, yes. 
<laughs> it reminds me of a segment I like to watch on YouTube where it's, you know, a hacker hacking the hackers or, you know, it, someone will spam call and he will hack them and, you know, take away all their files, hold them for ransom. And then, of course, they're they're mad, like, give me back my files. You're scamming me. It's like, no, I think <laughs> you tried to scam me. And they'll call him with like a voice changer. It's, it's hilarious. I, I, I yeah, there's the actual name is, but it's pretty good. The guy um, actually gets into their camera systems as well and records video of them freaking out when he starts taking over their stuff. It's it's so adorable to watch because there's just something cathartic about watching the scammer get scammed. Yeah. It, it feels like justice. It's it really does. Robin Hood. Like there it, is justice in that, it feels like. I mean, the dude just needs to be sitting there with a hoodie on going, I'm Batman. And I would be okay with that. Like, so we do have a question from James Martin. Um, he would like to know if we have any recommendations for the BlockWorks partners for the month of uh, cybersecurity awareness. Absolutely. Okay. So you're speaking to the marketing team of BlockWorks today <laughs> and Elizabeth and myself. So James, thank you for your question. Um, Elizabeth has made some fabulous graphics that we've already put on LinkedIn that you are welcome to use for your partners. Um, you are welcome to pass that on. You are welcome to move that forward. There are also two blogs that she utilized that you could brand um, as your own as well. So Elizabeth has put quite a bit of work into that. Um, we are still putting together some six-month roadmaps that we will be rolling out before the end of this month as our gift to partners. Um, in terms of what we think you should implement moving forward. So we have a few of those resources. Absolutely what we think you should do is utilize October, this Cybersecurity Awareness Month as a kickoff for your awareness campaign for the next 12 months, right? So use this month to kick it off and then have little reminders over the course of the next 12 months. Maybe the reminder is a lunch and learn. Maybe a reminder is some cool tchotchke that you send. Maybe a reminder is you have BlockWorks contribute to said lunch and learn. Um, maybe you think one of these live streams is valuable enough that you pass it on and have your uh, individual groups work on it. Maybe you partner with another organization that does solid cybersecurity awareness training. Um, we have a couple that we have utilized or know of. They are not sponsored, so to speak, of the podcast, but we'll help you out in terms of their names. Breach Secure Now is one that they use the human firewall name quite a bit. Um, good friends with a lot of the people over there. So that's one piece. We have a couple clients that also utilize Know Before. So you can pick whichever training um, that you would prefer on that route. But what I would do in terms of recommendations is use this as the kickoff for a year-long campaign. Um, include social in it, include some level of interaction, just so that you can continue to make people aware. One of the best ways to do this, honestly, is pilfer BlockWorks marketing. And if you are a BlockWorks partner, you are free and clear to do that. So Steal Matt, all our stuff. Steal exactly, all our just stuff. use all our stuff. So <laughs> Matt is the other arm of the marketing team without the official marketing title, but he's the <laughs> one that does all of the threat alerts. So anytime there's a threat alert that comes out, we try to write those in such a way that it's relevant for the MSP, but can also be relevant for your end user. So if you feel like that's something that needs to be passed on, go for it. Also note that in those threat alerts, we put you are protected if you are a BlockWorks partner. So you very well could put you are protected as an XYZ MSP customer, right? To make sure that they're not freaking out that you're suddenly sending all these threat alerts. 
Like that is something very, very valid for you to do. Um, continuous reminders. Um, the other way, if you really wanted to go whole hog on this um, and make it the annual campaign is next year, your marketing theme for each month is a different kind of threat. Mm. And you build out that threat library, so to speak, with your emails, with your blogs, with that communication. So for example, January, you decide to focus on phishing. February, you decide to focus on ransomware. March, you decide to focus on insider threats. April, you decide to focus on... Social engineering. Thank you. Social engineering, right? You get the idea. So you focus on a particular threat for that month. That maintains your awareness throughout the year um, and also gives you something really solid to build your communication and your content on. So you're not sitting there at the beginning of the month thinking, well, what do I want to write about today? Uh, it maintains that relevant focus. One thing that I would suggest, and this is just because I'm, I'm the nerd in the room, so I'll throw it out there. Efficacy. Efficacy testing. Efficacy, uh, just do as much as you can. So it's not just an October thing. Validate your stack repeatedly throughout the year. A lot of people make the mistake and they say, oh, well, let's get a program. It'll tell us if everything's okay. All right, wonderful. How much research have you done on that program? How much do you know about how it operates? Did you know that a lot of these programs operate in a sandbox, which makes it look as though your stack is substantially less capable than it actually is because it's operating in a way that the stack can't actually integrate with? I mean, that's that's just something that I've seen. I've seen people do uh, simulations of their environment and it comes back and says, well, your endpoint solution is ineffective. Yeah, you're right. It is when you're running it in a completely virtualized environment that is gated off from everything else and does not interact with the actual file system. That's not a live fire exercise. Get yourself a VM, gate it off, protect it, do live fire simulations against your actual stack. That's the best way you're going to be able to stay ahead of things. Well, and as Emily stated, we actually kind of do that with the threat alert as well. Anytime that we send out a threat alert, we're testing it against the services that are provided uh, by Blockworks. So if you're a made partner, SCUD partner, a full stack partner, like Emily said, at the bottom of those or somewhere in those threat alerts, it will let you know like, hey, we've tested this, it's prevented, you're safe, but here's more information on it. So you and your um, clients can have a better understanding if you're getting those threats even in uh, your environments. It's it's important to understand what's in your environment. And I think that that's really helpful as well. And like Emily said, we also have the situation reports uh, that go out. Feel free to, you know, send those to your clients send those send those out or have them subscribe to that as well. So an important thing to note along this, whichever strategy you decide to go with is try not to add to the FUD that already exists in the industry in the world, which is the fear, uncertainty and doubt. So it's a fine line on those threat alerts 
between people taking the meds, the sky is falling versus this is valuable information to let me know I'm protected, right? So we like to always err on the line of this is valuable information that has clearly been vetted and I have an action I can take moving forward rather than letting them know the 40,000 threats that could be attacking them that day, right? So as you start to build out your program for cybersecurity awareness or your cybersecurity marketing, just make sure that you're falling into proactive protection, prevention, actionable items, as opposed to, well, don't you know everybody gets hacked, right? Like that in and of itself is a message that induces the FUD, um, which is going to cause a greater issue for the MSP and cybersecurity industry as a whole. Because we've already reached a point where people have started to say, well, if I'm just going to be attacked, I'll just wait to deal with it then. That's not the approach we want anybody to take. So we need to start talking and preaching prevention is powerful, profitable, and possible, and get people on the prevention bandwagon. To let you in on the 10-year plan for BlockWorks is our plan is to change the entire industry into prevention-focused mindset, which we have already had a few vendors tell us, so your whole goal is to take the profit out of the industry. If that's what it means, fine, because it is a lot better in our minds to prevent attacks and protect people before it happens than be an ambulance chaser on the IRAS train. I'd rather keep you safe and keep your way of life secured. And by what I mean by your way of life is everything you're doing today, the comforts and everything that you have available and afforded to you, that that needs to be kept safe. If we don't do what we're doing, infrastructure is going to fall. Emily talked about the doom and gloom. You guys don't need to do the doom and gloom. That's my job. My job is to bring the doom and gloom. I'll flip up the hoodie and I'll go full full dark on you if, if I need to here. But that's what we want to do. You know, uh, what was it? In uh, Age of Ultron, there was a lovely line about we need a suit of armor around the world. We do. We need a, a suit of armor named Prevention that is around the world to help keep these threats out to help secure our way of life, to help secure everybody's way of life. When these guys keep ransoming people and these guys keep getting money for it, they're just going to keep upping their game. Yeah. The less that we that we start talking about it, and if we keep saying a network incident, guys, come on. We know what happened. You got completely breached and your stuff is gone. Stop trying to make it little cutesy network incident. Just be open and honest. Just tell people you got hit with ransomware. Better yet, you guys have to report these incidents. I said this the other day. Why don't we start making you report who in your security stack failed? Let's have some fun. That way we can... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think being on the prevention side is also... like It brings joy rather than demise. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about being a firefighter showing up to a fire and having to hose down a house that's completely burnt down that's not going to feel good it's not going to feel good for anyone and just because you make more money doing that that shouldn't be the highlight of cybersecurity. it should be the highlighting of preventing it you know like the fire detector alarms that we have in our house we have it to where it also calls um 911 
mm-hmm. just in case we're not home or just in case we're out of town. So like having that extra layer of preventative care, you know, um, detection and prevention really helps to block that doom and gloom. And that was something that, that really attracted me to BlockWorks was, you know, I'm not going to feel terrible every time I'm working on an incident because I know it's prevented by deep instinct. It was prevented by maid, but let me investigate it and see if there's, you know, a persistent foothold. Like, let me see what's going on, how it got in the, into the environment rather than how did everything get destroyed? So it really changes your mindset and your day-to-day mindset because burnout could be super huge when you're dealing with fires and burnt down businesses every single day. Permission to touch on that for a moment? Of course. So prevention, detection, they don't have to be on their own islands. This isn't, you know, off of Alaska where you have one island is Russian and one island is the U.S. Okay, there can be a land bridge between the two of them at all times. They can work together. In fact, they should work together. Now, I'm not going to name names because that wouldn't be helpful. But I'm going to say this. Having prevention, and if you say you have another solution that is mostly detection-based, and it reports on something, that doesn't mean your prevention failed. That means it wasn't something that needed to be prevented. There are things out there called lull bins, living off the land binaries. A lot of those can be used in precursors to try and gain a foothold. A lot of people look for those items. They're not inherently malicious. They shouldn't be prevented. A lot of them are provided by Microsoft. Go figure. The security company. Doing their thing. Way to go, guys. Uh, But it doesn't help when, you know, the prevention doesn't kick off, but the detection does. And then people start comparing, saying, well, this, this detected it. But this didn't didn't do anything. Do you know why? Do you, do you know the reasoning behind that? Or is it just this no detect this bad, this detect this good? We can't, it doesn't, it's not that simple. There's so many other things on the back end that you have to look at. That's why you need to have a sock on your side that's able to go through and do those investigations. That's why one of our new technologies has the capability of detecting those lull bins but not providing you a large-scale notification. It allows us to do research on the back end, figure out if it's actually something we should be worried about, and if it is, we can take care of it. Not a big deal. But in the event that somebody tries to leverage those law bins, you have a prevention solution in place that's going to shut it down anyways, if it gets to the point that it needs to be shut down. So there can be harmony. They can coexist, dogs and cats living together. It's pandemonium. Rob explained this in a very interesting way uh, last week that that made sense to me. So I think it'll make sense to to some others out there that may be of the less technical mindset. Our prevention solution goes last in line among all of your other solutions. We let them play in the sandbox first, and we are the last stalwart line of defense. So essentially, if you're seeing something pop up on one of your other solutions, it doesn't mean that we didn't see it. It doesn't mean that we didn't act on it. So really, if you're thinking about it, anything that gets 
to our solution, our prevention-based solutions, means it got through everything else. So we are standing there as that sole last protector because something got all the way through your other myriad or one or two or 12, it doesn't matter, solutions that you have on deck. So it's extremely important, like, like Matt said, you can have harmony within this. You can have multiple tools. We just launched MADE plus EDR, our own solution in there. We don't say detection and response is not worthwhile, right? There, there is value there, but it's a matter of building your stack in such a way that you can prevent and that you can have awareness of what's going on. I want to step it back to the fire thing again. Um, with all the solutions, suns in my eyes, I'm thinking about fire today. Um, you know, even though that you have protection in place, even though that you have, you know, detection in place, it doesn't mean you're going to leave a candle on when you leave the house. It doesn't right. mean you're going to leave the stove or oven on all night long because eh, I have protection. It's okay. I'm still going to have that awareness. Right <laughs> I'm still going to have that awareness. I'm still going to have that want to check and make sure that my environment is okay. And that should be the same mindset that you have in cybersecurity year round. You have the protection, you have the detection, but you should still have that awareness put in place. You the human validation. Be, yes, yeah. that human validation, which was a huge topic in our um, AI segment, which was one of our previous episodes, uh, automation with human validation. You're always gonna need that human element. You're always gonna need to double check and I don't know how many times I've left the house and came back to make sure that I blew out that candle that I had on earlier that morning that out of, you know, wanting to make sure. And that should be a heightened want, even in cybersecurity with the prevention in place. Even if you are a BlockWorks partner, you should want to go and look in your, you know, um, portals and see what's going on. You should have that awareness. If you're not a, a candle burner, the other analogy is you can have a security system, you can have your alarms, you can have your cameras. That does not mean you're going to leave your door unlocked. Also doesn't mean somebody's not going to spray paint those cameras. Just Thank you that for that. You're welcome. But yes, that is very true. I'd like to take it to a completely it. different yeah. and weird level, you know. Hey, you know, you're thinking like a hacker. It's all good. It's all good. What are you chewing on? Well, I just want to say thank you to James Martin for bringing up that discussion as well. Kind of got off topic there, but I think that was a great uh, discussion that we had. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. A huge thank you to Emily and Mike for joining and sharing your invaluable insights as always. Um, also, if you prefer an audio only version of the safety brief, we're ex excited to announce that we're now converting all of our episodes into podcast segments. Uh, as of right now, you can find us on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and various other platforms. Uh, also, stay tuned uh, for the official BlockWorks link uh, to the safety brief where you can find a comprehensive list of all the places to catch our past and upcoming discussions. Thank you so much. Alrighty. Well, keep in mind that vigilance isn't limited to just this month. It's a daily commitment, so stay frosty and stay secure. Thank you guys so much for watching.